Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Let's get to it. All right, turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. And let's start here in um, verse 9. And so Joshua says to the children of Israel, come here and hear the word of the Lord. Basically, Joshua is saying, let's pay attention. I want, I want you undistracted. I want you to move from your spot of distraction, your thought process, whatever it is. I want you to come and focus. Everybody say focus. God is going to speak. And Joshua said, by this. Everybody say by this. By this. You shall know that the living God is among you. He said, by this, by, by this, you shall know that God is here. He's not somewhere else doing something else. He, he's, he's here with us at this moment. He's among us, the living God. And that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivetites, the Pezzarites, uh, the Gibbishites, the Amorites, and the... Uh, behold, look, understand, pay attention, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord... Of all the earth is crossing over before you into this Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. Waters that come down upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its banks during the whole time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap, very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zadaran. So the waters that went down into the sea of Arabah, the salt sea failed and were cut off. The people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So, Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God has habits. Maybe you never thought about God that way, but if you study, read, walk, come to church, if you are a Christian, if you've been a believer for a little while, you, you can say amen to that. It might not be something that you would say, but yes, God has habits. God has a habit of turning problems into pathways. He just does. Oftentimes our problems keep us from seeing that, understanding that, or even believing that. But it is a habit of God to turn problems into pathways. It's not just a, a, you know, a little habit that is a bad habit for him that he's trying to break. As a matter of fact, this is a habit God loves and enjoys. He loves taking problems and turning them into pathways. 
We've been on this journey through one series into the next, and, and, and we've kind of come full circle in, in this spot. We've got this sermon and one more uh, in this particular series, and, 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 and it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing that has happened, the spot that we find ourselves in this morning, in the text. It's an interesting spot. For a number of reasons, this spot at the Jordan, this spot at the Jordan River, not any other spots, but this spot at the Jordan River is an incredibly interesting spot. Today, modern day times, if you were to find yourself at this particular spot, it is about 3% the size it was in our text. In other words, it's about 97% smaller than what it was. And so, if you today were to wind up at this place, having studied this portion of Scripture and getting there, the truth is, standing at that spot today, you might be a little underwhelmed. This was was a problem? You know, something about perspective, isn't it? Showing up on the backside of a miracle, years later causes us to see something different than it actually was. This was an issue. This is not that big a thing. You know, sometimes you're you're around people who've come through some things and, and they're trying to tell you about the depths of the things they've come through. And as you hear it, you may be thinking in your mind, that's a big deal. I admire the Israelites. Because here they are at God's command, loading up their family. I, I don't know why, just in my mind, uh, the Beverly Hillbilly song just popped in, right? And they, help me, Jesus. And they went to Beverly. Anyway, they didn't go to Beverly Hills. They f- loaded up their family and they marched towards an angry river. An angry river. Come on, somebody. You're not helping me. And it's, it's not what it is. It was very angry. It was overflowing. It was the worst time to be in this spot for them. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes there are times in our lives where we're at a point and we're trying to work through some things. And it, it could be the worst time in our life to try and work through it. Come on. How come trials never come in a convenient time? How come struggle never shows up when you say, this would be a great time to have that struggle? I'm the only one, I guess. I'm the only one. I'm I'm the only one that goes, this is the worst time for this. They're following the priest. Priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Things have changed. They're not just dragging the Ark around like they've been for 40 years. Now the Ark is out in front of them and and it's on the shoulders of the priest and and they've loaded up their families. They're they're standing right there in the midst of this angry river. I I mean, I I admire them. And we get this picture in our mind maybe from children's stories and all these things that happen that we see these priests, they're out in the middle of of this river and they're on dry ground and the whole nation is, is just crossing around them as they stand. How long did they stand? Come on, somebody. And carry that ark. Just hold it. How long? As long as it took for the whole nation to cross over that river. 
The incredible thing is, man, it's, it's got to be an amazing sight to see because like the Bible says that it was like a, 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 a dam of water just holding back the water that's coming down and, and the rest of the water's flooding away. It's, it's gone. It's, it's draining away from them. It's got to be something to see like this invisible dam has, has formed and the river is standing up. The Bible says in a heap. Now, that's a southern word. I can understand that. In a heap. It's like piling up. Are you with me? And I'm thinking, you know what? Here they are. The same God who's led them out of Egypt is the same God who's leading them on. And the living God is among them. Joshua, the great general, he says, by this you will know that the living God is among you. It was their assurance when they looked and saw this heap, this heap standing up, saw the other waters draining away. It was their assurance that God was with them. That God wasn't somewhere else doing something. God wasn't busy. He wasn't distracted. That He was right there in the midst of who that was their assurance. And you know what? Sometimes I don't know about you, but I have to ask myself when I feel like God cannot be found, what's my assurance that He is there? It's not that he doesn't want to provide it. It's just that I'm not seeing it. What what is my assurance that the living God is with me? In this moment where I am doing what I've never done, going where I've never gone before, experiencing what I've never experienced before, where I'm having to move through the depths of something that if that heat fails, I'm surely destroyed. It's an interesting spot to me. Let me tell you why it's even more interesting than just that spot. This very same spot. Everybody say very same. This very same spot in the Jordan River. Most scholars believe that is where Elijah used his cloak and hit the waters and poof, they split. This very same spot, after Elijah has been caught up, and the mantle has fallen, and Elisha has picked up the mantle. This very same spot is where Elisha, the disciple of Elijah, takes the mantle and hits the river, and poof, the river splits again. We're not done with this very same spot because this very same spot, hundreds of years later, is where the Lord Jesus Himself would show up and see a crazy prophet in camel hair and grasshopper legs in His beard. This very same spot where God split the Jordan for the Israelites to move across, where Elijah split the Jordan so they can move across, where Elisha says, where, where, where is the God of Elijah? And poof, the waters show up. That assurance is there. The water is splitting. There is the God of Elijah. Come on, somebody. Jesus now goes down into the water to be baptized. But, 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 this time, the waters don't split. Instead, Heaven splits. And the Holy Spirit comes down. And the voice of the Lord, with the descending of the Spirit, says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And that is mine in your assurance that God was with them then. And He's still with us today. 
Jordan to me is just, I want to be, I don't know about you, but I got to go. What a sacred spot. What a lesson for us all. That God always seems to split that thing that separates us from Him. you to know something this morning, God. I'm just pressing into this thing. I just, here we are. God has split the Red Sea. What's the Jordan River? If God, if the same people who walked through the Red Sea are now about to walk, what's the Jordan? What's the Jordan to God? The Red, a whole sea. And they walk up to this Jordan and God's like, Hey, I got this. Come on, church. You know, there's some things in my life sometimes that I, I feel like get in the way or get in between me and God, whether it's my own wrestlings or even my own disobedience or my own stinking think. My attitude. There's some things that tend to get in the way between me and God. And, and, and I, I approach those things sometimes thinking, it, I can't get there, Lord. You're too far away. Your promise can't be reached. And, you know, in my own effort, I think about how can I cross it? How can I get there? I can read more. I can pray more. I can worship more. God, I'll give more. God, I'll be more obedient. I'll do these things. I think about all my ways of split. And God's like, I got this. All this stuff I didn't brought you through. It's, I got this. God knows how to turn problems into pathways. God knows how to take barriers and make them breakthroughs. And if God is telling you and I to go forward, what we need to worry about is the next step of faith. Because I believe that God intends to provide an opening through every obstacle. Can I just ask us this question this morning, just being honest and, and human and, and, and uh, you know, just someone who's walking with you together as we walk with Jesus together. I mean, what rivers, what, what rivers are in front of us that we think are incro- uncrossable? Let's just, what, do we have any? Can we be honest about where we're at in our walk with God? Let's just be honest. God's not scared of our honesty. He's not, he's not up there ready to condemn us about saying, God, I'm afraid. God, I don't understand. God, it's too big. God, it doesn't make any sense. He's not afraid of that. But it is time for you and I to, to turn to God also and say, Lord, can you turn this problem into a pathway? Can I say this to a church? The problem that we're facing, the river that's in front of us that seems uncrossable, chances are God's already parted that thing in your life before. <laughs> the Jordan, how many times has it been parted? Chances are God's already parted that thing before. And God is in heaven looking at us and, and He's living inside of us and cheering us on and saying, what is that to me? It's time to trust God to part the waters as we press forward into our futures. Because God does things others cannot do. He divides waters that no one else can. Or, or maybe He has something else in mind. I'm so dense. I'm so shallow. It's so easy to get focused on my barrier or my struggle or my wrestling or my discouragement. 
isn't it? Come on. It is so easy to get lost in anxiety. It's so easy to be overwhelmed. Come on, church. What if God is saying to us, the river is not my main focus. Sometimes God does one thing to reveal a greater thing. Oh, here we go. Y'all not helping me this morning, but it's good. Anyway, I can help myself. Sometimes God does one thing to reveal another. Sometimes, you, 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 come on, you ever opened a present that's got another present inside of it? And you're like, hold up, wait a minute. Sometimes God has this working through something, crossing something, amen, facing something, not so that we can just get past that thing, but so that He can do something greater. And I think we often miss the greater things because we're too focused on the immediate pain. We're too focused on the immediate problem. We're too focused on the immediate circumstance. We are so overwhelmed by the obstacle. Sometimes God parts waters not so that we can just cross them, but because He has something He wants to reveal to us in the middle. They had no idea what was in the middle of that river. They couldn't see it. Dwayne Schwartz. Everybody's praying for a healing for Dwayne. We should. That's our call. And God did a great miracle. You're going to hear it. It's one of our testimonies. It may have to be a part, two-parter. But Dwayne would say that the greatest miracle was not that God healed his body, but that God took away his anger. Sometimes God does one thing. In the middle of sickness is where we learn the strength of health. In the middle of darkness of depression is where we learn the power of the light of God. Come on, church. In, in the middle of the chaos of addiction is where we learn the power of surrender to the Holy Spirit. In the middle of the isolation of anxiety is where we learn the power of community. In the middle. Well, we can't see it because it's covered up. We can't see it because it's covered All we can see is the obstacle to get across to the thing we think we want to do. But God's got something more. God's got something more, church. He's got something He wants to reveal to us through the process. And He wants us us to pause a minute sometimes in the middle. It was in the middle of marriage problems 30 years ago that I learned the value of the gift of God and a spouse. Come on, somebody. The beauty of surrender to that. It was in the middle of wrestling as a parent over children, doing it wrong, making mistakes. Come on. Not out of maliciousness, but just out of a heart-wrenching love for my children, that you learn how God's heart is actually postured towards you. You, 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 Listen, if, if you... There's no way to relate to the father in the parable of the prodigal until you've been the parent sitting on the porch waiting. You'll read it totally different. You'll understand the father embarrassing himself running through the city. You'll begin to say it shouldn't be named the prodigal son. It should be named the heart of the father. It's in the middle of those things. And we're just ready to get to the other side. Man, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've been wandering for 40 years. I've been walking. I've been done. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm ready to be done. 
Am I the only one who's come to the realization that the Lord doesn't always do what I expect Him to do? I'm a southern boy and we grew up in the, in the woods and, you know, we didn't have cable TV or, or video games or, we, we didn't, we had a, when we finally got a VCR, it was one of those where the remote control had a long pigtail, right? And it, you plugged it in and that's how you controlled, right? And, and you had to remember to remind, rewind the VHS tapes when, before you took them back and, and I can remember, boy, that was an upgrade. And we could actually watch movies at home. This was like unbelievable. Uh, and, and it was those things. And, and, and we got it. We, we were just, we, listen, we weren't wealthy. We, we had family, we had love, and, and we had roof, and, and we were fine. Listen, we were, we were poor. Oh, somebody. I didn't even realize that until I got older. And so for entertainment, as boys in the woods of the country, I mean, 3,000 acres, we had the run of it, and we just... We did stupid because it was fun. And there were a lot of rivers where I grew up in creeks and stuff like that. And, and some of them are faster than others. And, and you want to get to the other side. And how do you get over there? How do you get over there, right? I don't know how to get over there. It's dangerous, though, especially certain times of the year. Just like this, the water's flow. It's dangerous. And so us, all my high school buddies and I would be hanging out on the weekend, you know, shooting, blowing up stuff and just doing stuff that country boys do. In the woods, and, and, and so we want to get up the other side of this river or creek or, or, or pond or whatever. We want to get across it. And who, only God knows whose land it was. Nobody cared. And so the best swimmer among us, we'd tie a rope around him. And in he'd go. He'd try to swim across. If he got in trouble, then, you know, we just pull him back, right? You're not going to drown. We got you tied up by a rope, right? Go, right? I don't want to go. You go. No, you go. Just get out there. Poof, and and then swim now. And don't do this. Kobe Carpenter, please don't get me in trouble. And you get, and, 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 and our, our buddy would get to the other side. And then what he'd do is he'd take that rope off and he would anchor it to a tree. Right? And now the rest of us have a rope to get across. That's, that's how we crossed. If he got in trouble in the middle, we just pull him back, tie it to the next guy, you go. Right? Like, I mean, we kept trying until we got to the other side. And, and then there we were on the other side, safe and secure, because someone went before us. And tied a rope to the other side. Can I, can I help us today? Can I just bless us in this place this morning? If I don't bless you, I'm just blessing me. Because sometimes I don't care. I just got to preach to myself. Jesus has already crossed every river. He's calling you and I to cross. And he has secured the rope of grace to the other side and anchored it to the power of God. And we simply cross by holding on by faith and proceed one step at a time. Listen, Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. The rivers will not overwhelm you. Listen, if you find yourself trying to cross and you're in the middle of sickness, 
and you're trying to cross into health, I need you to understand that the rope of grace has already been applied. If you find yourself trying to cross the darkness of despair, I need you to understand this morning the rope of grace has already been applied. If you find yourself in the middle of the chaos of addiction, Jesus has already crossed that river and he's anchored that rope to the power of God and to the grace of God is applied in that way so you can cross it. Church, I want you to understand this morning, if you find yourself in the isolation of anxiety, there is the rope of the grace of God attached to the power of God that will connect you to the community of God all because of the Spirit of God. I need you to understand this morning, He's already gone before us. My parents are listening this morning and I'm sorry. They're like, we knew it. We knew it. Told you not to do Anyway, can I, can I move us for a minute into chapter 4? Can I, can I do this? Go to verse 20 in chapter 4. Watch this. And those 12 which they took out of the Jordan. Now, you've got to grab a hold of this. Let me, let me just back up. Verse 18. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan and their soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, the waters of the Jordan returned to its place and overflowed all it was. The people came from the Jordan the tenth day, the first day of the month, and, and camped at Gilgal on the east side of the border of Jericho. And those twelve stones. Now what has happened here? Because I have time to read your Bible to you. Is all the people has crossed over Jordan... And as they've got to the other side, the priests are still standing in the middle of the Jordan. There's a heap of water still there. And, and I can imagine everybody's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And Joshua says, no, 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 I need 12 guys. Go back. After 40 years, you want me to go? No. Go back and pry out 12 stones from the middle of that river. And bring them to this side. And those 12 men go out and you can see them probably digging down and getting those stones out. Big stones, not little big stones. Big stones that they can leap up on their shoulder and, and, and drag across over there. And they, they get there and they dump them at the feet of, of, of Joshua. And, and they create this monument. Verse 20, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. And then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. The Lord your God, the Lord your God. And remember, this is a young generation saying, tell me, what is that about? And, and they're saying, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. The Lord, the God you worship, he dried up the waters of Jordan before until he had crossed over. And as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. All the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I, I just, I, to me, I just, I can't believe in coincidences. And, and... I just cannot think it's a coincidence that the departure from Egypt and the entry into Canaan is paralleled by parting waters. I can't do it. It's just, it's no dink. I need you to picture this scene. 
mind this morning, priests in the middle of a dried river, thousands of people hurrying around them, crossing to the other side, led by soldiers that are ready for battle. And, and, and as the last of the, the people cross the Jordan, they send these mighty men back in and, and where the priests are standing, prying up these great stones right out of the dirt. And then the priests follow these strong men. Yeah, there we go. Back to Joshua. And there they are, finally. Their feet are finally in Canaan. And there's no going back. Hello, church. See, what you've got to grasp at this moment is not only has the Jordan enabled their entrance into God's promise, but now as it floods back into place, it blocks their retreat. See, some of y'all need something to block your retreat. I'm just going to be the preacher in a minute. Stop going back. Why would we go back to what we wandered through? Why would we go back to the land of just enough? Why would we give up the land of more than enough, the promise of God? Why would we give up everything that God wants to give us to go back? To go back, and I'm going to tell you right now, you go back across that Jordan. And you think there's life over there, but there isn't. There is no life over there. You cannot do it different than God has said do it and expect to experience the life God promised you. And God is so serious about not going back that the heap of water is now. Can you imagine that sound? I bet there wasn't a person. Listen, they crossed on dry ground, but as soon as that heap of water crashed down back, I bet every one of them was soaked like a ride at the water park. You've seen those whales at the water park come, they splash, and everybody in the front row gets wet. Everybody soaked. There's no going back. Some of y'all need something to block your retreat. And, and if, it's, if it's this preacher telling you don't do what you think you, you're about to do and you think God is going to bless you, he ain't going to do it. You see, God is not on the west side of the Jordan. God's on the east side. That's, you, stop going back. The, these 12 large stones. I'm going to do something this morning. Is it all right? And, and it's, it's at the encouragement of the elders, and I think I, I feel it. I feel it's of the Lord. We 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 the other night meeting and praying, just working through stuff. Sometimes God does one thing to reveal another. I, I just want to. Sometimes God breaks our heart in one area, and to bless our heart in another. And so. The encouragement of the eldership team. Can I just do something for a minute? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have found more joy in the last couple of years. And it's just what God is doing with me. And it's nothing against anybody else. But I, I have found so much joy and life. And spending time with the young people of our church. Who are, love the Lord and are walking with the Lord. And... And I, I love the discipleship time. I love working through the scripture with them. I love, I love praying with them. I love hearing what God has put on their heart. And I, I've, I've shared at length about that. And, and I'm never going to apologize for that. I can't. 
Of all the people that don't give me a hard time, these young people don't give me a hard Hello, somebody. <laughs> I want to speak. I, the team, us as elders, we want to speak to the older generation this morning with a blessing. Because we're always talking about the young people, but let me, let me talk to us older FFMers. I was at the, I was at the, ball, the volleyball game the other night. And uh, someone who knows me doesn't come to church here, just a friend, uh, uh, hadn't seen me in a little bit, and I've got this beard going on because of the hunting trip. And, and um, he, he, he walks up to me and he says, What's up, Papa Smurf? And then my wife looks at me and she instantly went, Oh my word, now I'm never not going to see that again. <laughs> in a minute, I'm like, Bro, I'm... I'm not that old. And then in another minute, I'm like, no, nah, I can own that. I kept thinking on this thing, thinking on this thing. I stole my wife's phone. And I changed my name on my contact in her phone to Papa Smurf. <laughs> and then I sent her a text. And she looked at her phone and she was like, oh my word. <laughs> Like I can own this. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> I've not. I'm sorry. I needed a laugh after this week. Let me let me talk to us. If you and I look back on our lives, what we'll realize is that you and I could have never charted our own path. Right. Not wind up here. Not experiencing this. Only God knew the way through the wilderness that you and I have come through. Come on, come on, older FFMers. Oh, only God knew. And along the way, you know what He's done is He's parted some waters from us. Come on, He's parted some waters for us. Things we thought were unimaginable. Here's what He's done to us, older FFMers. Come on, He's parted some waters for us. And you know what he's done along those ways in those deserts? He sustained us with water. And the water followed us. He was so serious about protecting us and taking care of us that it followed us through our deserts and our wanderings. And, 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 and when we got into the deep things, when we got, come on church, when we pressed into God as older epiphemers, come on, when we pressed into the middle, when we were unafraid to go deep, right? And then we thought, oh, we're over our head now. He pulled us from those depths. Yes, he did. Our story. All the days of our life. It's not like anybody else's story. It's amazing. Someone should know what God done for us. Someone should know. Lord have mercy. Almost 19 years ago, when I first showed up here, I had a head full of hair. It was like an afro. Now the only place I can grow hair is on my face, my ears, and my nose. It's been a journey through parted waters. Through huge life events, through heartache and sorrow. Come on, church, through reward and blessing and celebration. It's been a journey. And here we are. We could have never, ever charted this path. Someone should know. Why not take the stones of our experiences 
and build a monument. Come on, older FFMers. We're not alienating you or leaving you out. We're building on your experience. We're... Our monument is added to it because of your stones that you hold out of the middle of what you thought you couldn't cross. Because God did one thing to reveal something else to you. And it's right there. And it's beginning to heap up like that water heaped up. Only now it's a stone, a, a memorial that's going to last forever. And I say to us, all of us who want to join me in, in the Papa Smurf Club, all of you beautiful older women who have walked with the Lord with such humility and compassion and perseverance, our children should know our story. Our grandchildren should know our story. Our nieces and nephews should know our story. Our friends should know our story. Just how God has led us through uncrossable waters. For the Lord's help this morning, I, could, I wish I could read your Bible to you. But I can't. But in 1 Samuel chapter 7, I'll, I'll just tell you it's in verse 12. No, 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 sorry. I'm going to read it. Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mesphah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. Now, I don't, I'm not in the habit of naming rocks. He called this stone Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, on this path I could not have charted for myself. Through, through all these parted waters that I could never imagine that I would have crossed. Come on, church. So through, through all of the sustaining power of God in my life, through the depths of the things that I thought were going to drown to me, yet here I stand thus far, thus far, thus up to this point, the Lord has helped. Ebenezer! What had happened here is God had gained the Israelites a victory over the Philistines. It's an incredible thing. And so what he did is he set up this stone and he named it Ebenezer. And, and a, a great country boy translation is just the stone of help. And it was a monument to future generations that the Lord had helped them. Psalms 71, 18. Write, write the reference down. I'm going to read it. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed. Some of us could wish. I'm just gray-faced. Oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. Come on, older FFMers, we're not leaving you out, we're not elevating you, we're building on who you are. We want to celebrate what you've done and what you've accomplished so that you can declare to this generation your power to everyone who is to come. Church, I want us to grab a hold of this thing. I, I, want us to, I want us to own every bit of who we are. The young people, you own their testimony as much as you want to own your calling. And you have none of this if it wasn't for Ebenezer. And I'm okay with my greatest ministry happening after I'm dead. When I leave behind all the work 
that I've done, all the tasks I've completed, all, all, all the words I've spoken and written, the people we've touched, the lives that's been changed, uh, the causes we've supported, uh, the children we've raised, and, and the churches we've planted and supported, and the missionaries that have been sent out, and the funds that have been raised for the kingdom of God. When I leave behind all of my victories and all of my mistakes, and I make them, and it's not easy, and I realize that when I make a mistake, it's not with bouncing a check. It's always with people. It's a hard wait. Let me tell you something. It all has a ripple effect. And it expands us until Christ returns. Come on, somebody. It's a stone of help for the next generation. And as Ebenezer's in this place, that's me and you. And I'm okay with that. As Ebenezer's in this place, come on, I'm okay with that. My heart rests in Revelation 14, 13 that says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for they rest from their labors since their works will follow beyond them. I, I'm okay with that. I, I want to own it. Hello, somebody. FFM has been given an Ebenezer generation. That's us. That's who we are. And, and what greater value could we give or leave in this life than inheritance? But see, the problem in the modern day church world is most of the Ebenezer generation isn't interested in leaving an inheritance. We're not prepared for it. We're not preparing to give it away. We're not preparing... For the next generation to step up and not only walk in what we have walked in, but walk in it with greater anointing and greater resources and greater ability. We're not preparing for that. Because we live in a society that says it should be about me. And I get it. I feel neglected. You ever feel neglected? I feel overlooked. It's tough when the only time people contact you is when there's something broken. I, but God says you're an Ebenezer. And so my heart, just resting in Psalms 4 this week and, and like trying to hear from God. And you know what I heard God say to us Ebenezers? Well, he said it to me. Maybe, maybe you'll receive it. If you don't, it's okay. You left Egypt for them. You wandered through confusion for them. You held on to my promise for a long time for them. You crossed over time and time and time and time again for them. We are there, Ebenezer. We cannot disinherit them. We have to break the cycle of disinheritance. And that is mine and your job, not theirs. We have to break the cycle. That's today crossing the Jordan. God is wanting to break the cycle of disinheritance. He sent them back into the middle and says, we're not done. I got something else to say. Go get them rocks. Put it up here so that they can ask what I did. And you can tell them about the glory and power of the God that they now serve. Leave them something to remember. Our lives must be a monument that they look back on and have the courage and faith to continue to possess His promises to us. 
We cannot disinherit them. We cannot. Come on, you, you, some of y'all in here, come on, you, you know, maybe you're older than me and, and, and maybe your parents have passed away and they left you an inheritance and, you know, you do something with it, this, that, and you, you understand the concept. I see this bumper sticker, right? Like, I'm spending my kid's inheritance. And I think that's fun, you know what I'm saying? Like, my hope in that is that my kids do well enough that they don't need me as they grow. Hello, somebody. That they're not so bad off that just to survive, they have to hope they get something when I die. I I want my kids to have something while I'm alive. Let me say this to us in closing. You guys want to come, it's fine. If you disinherit someone, you cancel your own legacy. Is that all right? We, FFM's Ebenezer's, must break the cycle of disinheritance. This is us. This is us. This is us. And you should be celebrated and honored and looked on. And if these young people ever take you for granted, you can bet that I'm the first one to look them in the eye. And go, no, no. You have nothing without what they came through. Come on. If we don't leave anything behind, no one will know the faithfulness of God. Does that mean that God wants to instantly just say that your promises don't matter anymore and now all you've got to focus on is... No, God still wants us to live in abundance. But let me tell you something. This is why the promised land cannot be compared to heaven. The promised land is not heaven. It's simply the place that God has called us to to exist so that He can resource us to do what He's called us to do while we're here. It can't be related to heaven because there's no giants to face in heaven. There's no battles to fight in heaven. You get into the promised land, the first thing they got to do is fight about. Hello, somebody. If we don't leave anything behind Ebenezer's, and let me, let me just say this to our young people as you think about this. You are the most blessed young people I've ever seen in my life. There, there is not, there's not a reason why you can't walk in your faith with purity and integrity and power. You have Ebenezer's to look to for anything you're trying to cross. Anything. And they won't blow smoke. They're going to tell you the truth. And my encouragement to us all as young people is to lean into that, to ask those stories, and to say, tell me about the goodness of God. Because if God did that with you, and you're telling me God wants to do more with me, man, that's got to build my faith. God gave me an Ebenezer. Who's your Ebenezer? You hear me talk about it all the time. I have some. This eldership team. Pastor Rick was so busy on Wednesday, he was, he was in Mishawaka, Shipshawana. And uh, I, I couldn't get down there. He was doing some ministry work there, and I didn't want to interrupt it. But I'm hoping to have lunch with him tomorrow in Fort Wayne. I'll never forget the things he gave me. Just little touches, just spending the day, just downloading what God was speaking to him and to us as young disciples, just like it was as unbelievable. If you were dry, you could always find Pastor Rick and just sit down because he was going to turn the faucet of heaven on and you could just drink. 
God Almighty has a unique plan for each of us, and that involves leaving a legacy that lasts until Christ comes. And let me say this to you, Ebenezer. Don't underestimate how the next stage of your life influences the generation behind us. You are so powerful. And, and, he, and here's what I want to do. If, if you are, man, if, if, you are, if you are 30 and above, I want you to stand. Because this ministry is, is, is 25 plus years old. I want, I want you to stand. If you're 30 and above, I want you to stand. Come on, some of y'all are creaking and snapping. I can hear you, right? Like, Look at you. Look at us. We're the ones who, who swing our feet over the bed every morning and have to pause before we get up anymore. I get it. Hello, Jesus. That's us. But what I want you to do is look at who's still sitting. That's also us. And I promise you, I have begun to look forward to sitting in the back and receiving. Don't underestimate who you are. Let's break the cycle of disinheritance. And let's say, we're not going to let foolish stuff get in the way of being Ebenezer. We got one story and one story to tell, and that is that God, here is the assurance, young people, that God is with you. Here is the assurance, young people, that the living God is among you. Find a way to preserve a testimony. Let it be a monument. We're breaking this cycle of disinheritance. And let me just say, if you've ever felt neglected or overlooked because you're not young, that was never my heart. I was just taking what you gave me to put into them. Amen? So I want to pray for us for a minute. Is that all right? Father, young people, will you stretch your hands towards these Ebenezers? Come on, young people. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for a monument. Thank you for stones. Lord, the, the water heaped up for a while, but it crashed down and, and, and it went away. But the stones, the stones that were heaped up, they last forever. Their testimony, God, is that the living God is among us. In this place this morning, God, we are sure that you are here right now. And Lord, as, as the young people stretch their hands towards their Ebenezer's, God, I declare a blessing over them. That you will continue to sustain them and let their stories ring loud and true. The glory of who you are. Let our testimony be something that gives strength to our younger generation and encourages them to possess your promises. And to go further than we ever did. Today, Lord, we break the cycle of disinheritance in the name of Jesus with our life, with our testimony. 
We thank you for your good hand that's been upon us and it gives us faith to know that your good hand will continue to be upon us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said?